Welcome to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Wes McAdams. Here we have one goal, learn to love like Jesus. I want to begin today by reading 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-5. through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Today, I'm visiting with my good friend Clifton Webb about Christian leadership. We hope that this conversation, as always, helps all of us learn to love like Jesus. Clifton Webb, welcome back to the podcast, brother. Thank you, brother. It's good to be uh, back on with you. It is good to good to see your face, good to hear your voice. Although I've been hearing your voice quite a bit lately over the last couple <laughs> of days, I've been listening to some of your sermons, and uh, I told you before we hit record that it it feels like we've been having a conversation already because you've been talking to me, but now I get the the chance to to talk to you. So I'm I'm excited to talk about what you've been preaching about. But why don't you go ahead and tell us what have you been teaching or preaching lately? Uh, what well, as of late, I know we just came out of a leadership series on the, the roles and the responsibility of the elders, um, uh, preachers and deacons. Um, and but before I go into that, I just want to say thank you for just having me on uh, this, you know, wonderful podcast. You know, I've always enjoyed you. You, you have been a tremendous encourager to me and my walk. Um, uh, one of the things I could tell you, man, I, I, you recall when I, um, we was in a forum that you and I are on and, and I was just basically, t uh, telling you at one time and, you know, my spirit was kind of low, but it's been my first work at the Wayne Road Church of Christ and, and the Lord gave me my first work during the pandemic and, uh, I never forget. That's how we, you and I started talking. You were just a tremendous encourager every since. And I just want to say thank you. And I haven't forgotten about that. Not one bit. And it, it helped me in my walk in my ministry here at the Wayne Road Church of Christ. Well, thank you, brother. It's a, it is a pleasure to know you. I'm, I'm encouraged by you, brother. Yes, sir. And, um, you know, uh, back to your question, the original question about what I've been speaking on lately is the leadership, the roles and responsibilities of the elders, the deacons, and the preachers. And um, that relates to our um, second part that we started earlier this year on discipleship. Actually, we do a discipleship series every week. Um, it's one of the things that's part of our, you know, baby here at Wayne Road Church of Christ as we are considering uh, growing and expanding um, the church building at Wayne Road Church of Christ. Um, uh, we have been increasing in size here um, slowly, but um, it's getting to a point where when we have big events, um, you know, um, we, had, we have standing room only. And so we appreciate what God is doing 
for us and through us here at the Wayne Road Church of Christ. And one of the biggest things that we've been uh, dealing with is discipleship and leadership. Those two things go correlate with one another. Um, you can't have one without another. Um, one of our poly, you know, uh, philosophies here, if, if you will, is follow the leader. Okay, mm. uh, if the leader is not doing it, then how is the disciples going to follow? That makes sense. And so, our biggest thing is um, our mission statement here at the Wayne Road Church of Christ, uh, which I, you know, we talked uh, briefly about before, is uh, reach, build, and release. Reach, mm. build, and release. So, relative to the idea of discipleship, we believe our job. Um, is to reach as many as people possible, and that is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This mm -hmm. is birthed out, of course, the, um, our our mission in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18 through 20. Um, but we're talking about mission statement. We're talking about a small statement that um, that fits Wayne Road Church of Christ to help meet the mission of God. Okay, mm -hmm. and so the part of the discipleship is partnering with God to disciple others, to make other disciples, make other disciples. That's the, that's the biggest thing that we see here that's needed um, in this community. Um, I know we can talk about evangelism and discipleship um, and how some of them correlate, but sometimes they, they're not the same, okay? Um, discipleship is a, a different level of, um, of it's because it comes with a level of discipline. Um, that means, hey, um, do what I do as Christ has done. And so you as the leader uh, are empowering those that you serve to do what you do like Jesus do. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, let's talk about this idea of leadership and the way, particularly the way that you are drawing out of scripture what it means to be a leader and then teaching to the congregation because I, I I was listening to your to your sermons and and brother I just I love That's how scary. direct <laughs> I love how direct that you are and how honest that you are um, let, let's start with the, this for just a second I, I really want to get to the idea of the the evangelist or the preacher but but you were talking in in one of the earlier lessons in this series you were talking about an elder's family and you were talking about their wife and their kids. Uh, you're talking about what it means to have have faithful children, and I really liked your take on that. And you were you were talking in very uh, explicit terms. You know what what it means to have children that are uh, that are wild, that are they're living riotous lives. And uh, and so talk about that if you would for just a second about the importance of a leader's family. Why that's important. Why when Paul talks to Timothy and Titus about leadership and about the men that are called to lead in the church that he spends so much time talking about their family. Why is that so important? Um, I believe that is so important because the church is styled as a family, right? Mm. Um, we are, um, we, the church of Christ is the family of God. Um, and so as a family, God, um, you know, we're going to act just like a typical family. Um, but in this case, when, it, uh, when you're dealing with leadership and being an example 
to the flock. It is so important to Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1 that their house is in order because stewardship, because eldership, or any role or talent that God has given us as a gift to the church is a stewardship to the mm -hmm. church, okay? And it is, um, you, being a steward, that is, you ought to be faithful in all things. And so the eldership role, um, and inclusive of just the leadership role, um, you have to be a steward over your own house. And if you're a steward over your own house, then you can be a steward over God's house. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. And so, and that comes from 1 Timothy chapter um, chapter 3 and verse number 5. In fact, I used to quote that verse when I was a little boy. Um, that's when my mother understood that there was something different about me relative to reading to uh, reading the Bible. Um, this was back when I was in uh, growing up in a charismatic movement at the time, but um, I believe the Lord was you know, still working on me as a little boy. I just didn't know it. <laughs> um, I tell people preaching was not a part on uh, my menu, but it was a part of his menu. So, mm -hmm. um, but I enjoyed the Bible. And I remember as a young boy reading First Timothy chapter three, and I believe it's verse number five, about if, um, if a man can, you know, have his house in order, how can he take care of the household of God? Because this is a big responsibility. And so if your wife um, is not grave. If your wife is a uh, a busybody, um, that can be frowned on um, by not only the church, but it can be frowned on more importantly um, from the world's perspective. Because remember, he charged Timothy to charge um, the saints of God at Ephesus to teach no other doctrine and to avoid myths and fables. So, so that was running rampant around there. And all the world needed at that time is a good excuse or out on God by looking at the man of God's family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And yeah, that's in definitely. Titus as well. And, yeah, and sure. it's more even uh, explicit in Titus chapter 1. And he's telling why Titus should set things in order as the evangelist, as the preacher, to ordain elders. And their wives must be in subjective. Their children must be in subjective. Then we keep reading down. Because he says, because there are some that are saying this and that. And so your job as the man of God is to set those things in order and qualify, um, or, I'm sorry, appoint only those that qualify to the characteristics that we have in the Bible. So imagine, if you will, uh, if you had the president of the United States, uh, pick one, right? And their children is wow. Their wife is wow. How would that look to the office? Oh, man, they have a field day with that. And so that goes with the man of God um, and his family, um, the, the leadership, the elders, and the deacons. And then that's why I believe that is so important. And also, more important than that too, Wes, if I can say this, is we're examples. Mm -hmm. And so as examples, we have to be that example to those that don't have that example in their own house, something to look up to. Man, he's, he seemed like he got his house in order. I can go talk mm -hmm. to him because his, his wife listened to him, his children listened to him. And... 
um, I think that is so important to the kingdom and also to the, the men that, that possibly don't have their house in order. And talking to an elder that does goes a long way to help mentor other men to get their house in order as well. So we, I didn't cover that part as well, but today I thought I would just drop that in there as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let, let's talk about this. And, and for those that aren't familiar with Churches of Christ, uh, the, the, the way that, that we believe that the church should be, the local church should be organized is with shepherds, elders, uh, deacons that are, are servants, ministers, and then preachers or evangelists. Now, what tends to happen a lot of times, I think, is that, that in Churches of Christ, we tend to sort of react against the pastor-led model of this single pastor that's sort of dictating and, and ruling the church, and we have rejected that that model of leadership so severely that we have gone to an opposite extreme where a lot of times we don't even see the evangelist or the preacher as a leader in the congregation. In fact, you said, and I loved this part of the sermon, you said that, that when you got to, to Wayne Road, you said that, uh, that the people would lead prayers and say things like, we're praying for the leadership of the church, the elders and deacons, we're praying for them to get the wisdom and knowledge to lead your people, and Lord, we also pray for the minister. And then you stopped, and people laughed, and you said, why wasn't he part of the leadership? And that's a great question. So talk about that, if you would, about that idea that that we, we sometimes take the word leadership, and we think of elders and deacons, but we don't necessarily put the, the minister or the evangelist in, in that category. And you said it right, and I'm just chuckling. So if you hear me chuckle, this is my best laugh today, by the way. It's been a busy day. So uh, the fact that you listened to my sermon, God bless you. <laughs> and they were great. What, what I mentioned in that sermon is that the programming that we have in Western civilization as it relates to the Church of Christ's um, birth on American soil. Okay, hmm. um, it's the idea that the 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 elders are um, and the deacons are over the preacher, and um, and that's the conundrum that we had in the church for you know a, a century or so in the body of Christ. And not to rehash that, but that's where it bursts from. Um, but it really does not birth, in my estimation, from the Word of God. And so I had to speak, uh, which is our slogan where the Bible speak and silent where the Bible is silent. Um, I believe that the elders and the, the preachers work cohesively as a leadership team. Um, in, that, in that regard, I do believe the elders um, that is used interchange with the bishop and the pastors, if you will, um, um, are the shepherds of the church. They watch for your soul. Um, but the problem is with um, our current context was the idea that the elders watch for your soul, but the preacher doesn't. Well, how would you square that with the scriptures if the, the preacher is appointing the elders to and the teaching them sound doctrine to become elders? How do you do that without watching? Mm -hmm. OK, how do you do that? without watching for who you're appointing as a man of God. And to be clear here, the man of God um, in specific terms applies to the preacher. 
We see that in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 11. The man of God is as an Old Testament vernacular with a New Testament application to the, uh, the preacher. And so as we know the man of God, the men of God of the Old Testament were called prophets. And before they were called prophets, they were called seers. What did seers do? Watch. And so if, the, if it is the case that Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11 is calling Timothy, um, but you, O man of God, flee these things. I like it because it's emphatic in the Greek. It which says you, Timothy, not anybody else, you. So it's like you pointing at Timothy. You are that guy now. You are the man of God. Man of God, Timothy, being a half Jew, would have understood uh, the man of God, Old Testament vernacular terminologies because the first time it's used in Deuteronomy with um dealing with Moses and then we see from Elijah um the, the, the Elisha David and all these great men of God that God calls the men of God um when we see that Paul is lifting up that vernacular and putting it on the preacher the evangelist and so I believe um strong heartly based upon the word of God that the elders watch for the souls of people but the preacher also watches well. And we can find that in Second um, Timothy uh, chapter 4. When um, Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist and watch in all things. Well, what is he watching out for, Brother Wes? Yeah, for the, for the good of the church. Amen. And so I believe um, there is some overlap between the evangelist and the elders and they work together as a team um is this unfortunate um we have a segment of brothers who uh disagree with this um and it comes from i really believe a traditional mindset i think it started with good intent because we see the divide that happened um by the time the second century came and we see the um the plurality of elders go from uh, from plurality of the elders to this one elder over the uh, the elders to this this bishop over the elders to the archbishop over the elders and you know they end up into the uh, Catholic Church as we know today um, and I don't mean to be disrespectful but we know that was a deviation from the Word of God and so if we're going to get back into what leadership truly looked like then we we can't start because they do it um, mm -hmm. denominations do it. Or other religions do it. No, we got to start our base from the word of God. Because the second time that Paul used the man of God vernacular is in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 17. That all scriptures are inspired by God. And then you drop down to that um, the last verse. He said that the man of God may be perfectly furnished. Okay, so it's bringing that. And so how do we get back to what God saw in the text? We go back to the word. And so as a result, we look at some of our Church of Christ uh, websites. We have seen uh, who we are about. And we have the elders um, over the deacons, then the deacons over the preacher. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out how did the preacher get up under the deacon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and I love I love the emphasis that you put one on one side the authority that the evangelist has to preach the word to to 
proclaim the good news about Jesus. And then on the other side, how we are under the word, that we are we are responsible to only preach the word, to not preach our opinion, to not point people towards us, to not make it about ourselves. In fact, you said preachers are supposed to point people to Jesus and then get out of the way, and I love that. But one of my favorite quotes that you said, you said, listen to the voice of the people you serve, but be reminded that the people's voice is not the voice not of the God. the voice of God. Yes. I, and I love I love how you kept coming back to that. You you said I don't need I don't need anybody's amen because I brought my amen with me. You know, and I I love that idea that that we are preaching for the people and to the people, but we are we are not answering to the people. We answer to God, and and it is our responsibility to proclaim this message, whether they like it or not, whether it's in season or out of season. It's our responsibility to preach the truth, even if that means they run us out of town, out of town on a rail. We've got to we've got to proclaim what is true, whether it's received well or not, whether people like it or not. Uh, any thoughts on that before we move on? Um, yes, um, and, and the, the main thing of that, um, I'm like, man, you really listened to that sermon. <laughs> uh, and the, the, the thrust of that was birthed out of Second Timothy chapter 4, preaching in, mm-hmm. in season and out of season. But um, I know sometimes as preachers, we use that when they like it or when they don't like it. But really it's personal for the preacher, even when you want to speak it or not speak it. It's not every Amen. time. As a man of God, um, if you're a true man of God and you truly love people, that you just really want to rebuke people, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but Paul told Timothy, rebuke them anyway. And we're mm-hmm. not saying that happens all the time, um, um, unless you was in the time of Jeremiah. But <laughs> right. so um, even at times he wanted to quit and sit on uh, sit out on God, but. Uh, we recalled the story that he tried to sit down, but he said it was like fire shut up in his bones. Um, there has been some moments where I just wanted to throw in a towel, but I was reminded of the charge. That's so important. The charge that is given to the man of God to preach anyhow. Why? Because of verse number one. That's the key. Second Timothy chapter four and verse one talk about I charge you in the sight of God. Um, that he points to the appearing of Jesus. You're going to have to give an account of your stewardship. And so being a preacher uh, is a stewardship to God as well and to the people of God. And so you're charged to say it like God says it, okay? Whether they agree with it or not, your your preaching is not determined by people's amen. Your Mm -hmm. preaching is determined by um, God who sent you as the messenger to preach it, whether they're like it or not, and we use the uh, um, the account of John the Baptist. If you look at John the Baptist, brother, you will see John the Baptist was he wasn't some kind of pushover. Um, mm-hmm. We see the template right there. He says uh, the voice that cried out in the wilderness, um, uh, prepare the way for the Lord. Right? How are you going to prepare the way to the Lord, John? Um, God gives him how to prepare the way. He says, every valley uh, shall be filled. Every mountain shall be brought low. Every crooked way shall be made straight. Every bumpy way shall be made smooth that people may see the salvation of God. Now, I may have um, misquoted that, but it's close enough, right? How are you as a man of God are going to help people see God? 
you have to move all the obstacles out of the way. Well, how do I do that, God? You do that with your words. Not your words, my words, though. The gospel words. And sometimes that's going to rub people the wrong way. Um, but it's not always going to rub people the wrong way. It's going to lift people up. And so your job as the man of God, and God is using uh, uh, geographical terms to help us to see what an ambassador or a hero of the gospel needed to do for a king that comes behind them. So you're preparing for a king that's coming behind you. And so your job is to make his path straight because the shortest distance from one place to a nest is straight. So God doesn't need to go down the valley. Your job, if his chariot is going to go down, using a chariot analogy, if his drive is going to go down, your job is to fill that valley up. Because that's taken away from the time he needs to get to a person's heart. Your job is to get Jesus to their heart and to get people to see Jesus. And to do that, if there's a valley, if they low west, lift them up in their spirit. If they high-minded, mountain, bring them down. If they mm -hmm. crooked and God got to go around to their heart, your job as a man of God is to straighten out that road. If you're if, if they bumpy, your job is to smooth him over. And so God has given the men of God uh, at each congregation, valley people, mountain people, bumpy people and crooked people. Here's your here's the work. Now preach him. Preach to him. Help them to see me. That's how I see it. And, and it's so interesting. And and. I, I appreciate what you're saying because I do this every 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 week just like you do and and it's so humbling that that there are so many people in so many different places in the audience that there are people that that are are high and there are people that are low in the same audience and the same message has to do one thing for one person and another thing for another person. I, there's been times where I've preached a message about doing more or giving more or sacrificing more. And, and I've, I've stopped before and I said, now some of you, some of you are probably giving too much like you, you could slow down a little bit. It's okay. Like you don't have to be here as much as you are. Like you let, let somebody else do something for a while, you know, slow down That's a little right. bit. Some of you, you know, you're, you're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. Some of you, um, some of you are, are doing a little, but you could do a lot more. You need to do more. And some of you just need to do something like you're not doing anything at all. Right. And you need right. to do something because what ends up happening, I'm afraid, is that we'll preach this message about give more and, and, and do more. And then I'll have this little old lady come up to me afterwards and say, you're, you're so right, Brother Wes, I need to do more. And I think, no, sister, you, you're doing plenty. Like, I wasn't right. talking to you. I was, you, you're doing just fine what you're doing. And she's convicted in her spirit. And the person that I really wanted to, to motivate to do more isn't doing anything. It isn't convicted at all. So it's that, that, that challenge of, of bringing the message to people that are in very different places uh, so that they can receive the word from the Lord that they need to receive on that day. You know, and that's, that's so good oh, that you're saying that because when you look at going back to using the John the, the Baptist analogy, like you say, you're doing it every week, right? Um, and I hope we all are, right? But mm -hmm. he preached the same message. I like how you put it. He preached the same message to all different kind of people, but they picked the application for them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm learning even in my walk. 
sometimes you want people to get it the way you get it but somebody may take that app uh, uh, application for them and ask you well brother what shall I do that's what they asked John the Baptist if you that's keep right. telling us to repent then what should I do as a soldier was well, Zach mm -hmm. no more uh, a tax collector what should I do don't ask for more than what's necessary so you have men coming to him they want more explanation what it means to give your life over to Jesus what it means to repent knowing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand what shall I do um, what they they know uh, they know sometimes they know but they don't know that they know until you share with them as the man of God to help them to see what God will want them to do so your job as a man of God too is to develop them into what mm -hmm. God wanted to be not you what God mm -hmm. wanted to be and the ultimate goal is all of us to look like Jesus to be mm -hmm. like Jesus anything less would not do and that's why Peter says in second uh, Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5 besides all these things add to your faith what virtue that word virtue is excellence and it's equivalent to our terminology and I uh, American soldiers uh, soldier slogan um, be all you can be right hmm. um, mediocrity won't do in the kingdom of God God expects excellence because of what he did at that cross for you and so our job as preachers is to be excellent at what we do and not only in our preaching but also in our lifestyle that will promote excellence in other that's part of the gospel of Jesus Christ um, that I don't believe we talk about enough some mm -hmm. people like mm -hmm. you was talking about the sister that says brother I need to do more and you say sister you're doing so much but on the other hand um, there's people that just do just enough. You got just enough mm -hmm. Christians and you have not enough Christians, if that makes sense. Mm. I've did, I did this okay. just enough. That's all. I did my check just mm -hmm. enough. Um, and we, we remind in Luke chapter 17 about the, uh, the unprofitable servant where he says, um, I've only did what you commanded me to do, Lord. Um, I have not done enough. And so when we have, yeah. even when we feel that we've done enough, God is saying, have that same spirit of humility and says, I have not done enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, let me, let me ask you this before we take a little break. How has this study, especially because you're talking so much about leadership and, and obviously there's direct correlation to what you do and, and the life that you live. So how has this study changed you in particular? Well, it's, it's helped me to see myself and some pitfalls that I ran into earlier in my ministry. Um, just reading my role as the man of God, um, my assignment that God has given me and to reevaluate myself again. And I seen some um, some shortcomings on my end that I said, man, I, I really missed it there. I, man, I really blew it there. Uh, but now studying this and helping people understand my role, the elders role and deacon role, I made a personal for me to help me do better as far as um, being uh, uh, more gentle. Okay, mm. um, the Bible talks about the man of God should not strive with men, but he should be gentle 
um, even though I'm, I'm, I'm direct, as you already said, uh, Wes, and people have always known me at that, um, but there's a fine line there. Um, uh, sometimes we can be too direct, too blunt. Mm -hmm. And so as a man of God, uh, I aspire to be uh, more nurturing, more um, magento. Um, every fish, uh, my dad taught me uh, when he used to teach me fish, fishing, uh, we, I, I asked, asked my dad, I said, Dad, why do you have so many different baits or lures? He said, well, son, because every fish don't require the same um, bait. And so I used mm -hmm. that analogy uh, for my ministry to help me uh, to be successful here at the Wayne Road Church of Christ. Um, I may be able to talk up here <laughs> uh, with somebody and we still smiling. Um, other people's like, whoa, brother, are you hollering at me? No, I'm <laughs> time out. I'm not hollering. Uh, this is just me. Um, but, and that's what we learn uh, from Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where he says, I became all things uh, to all people that I may gain some. Okay? And so you have to switch hats. Um, if you want to be successful, and I think that's what Paul was telling Timothy, you have learned of my behavior, my pattern, and those same things you do too as well. And we learn that from Paul, switch apps. Sometimes you got to play the role of a mother, father, sister, and brother, and that's helped me with discipleship, and that's also helped me as a man of God. My family absolutely loves movies, but of course we don't love the bad language, gory violence, and sexuality depicted in so many movies. One scene or a handful of profanities can make it so we just won't watch that movie. That's why we love VidAngel. Believe it or not, the VidAngel app allows us to filter our movies and television shows. We connect our Amazon, Netflix, or Apple Plus account to VidAngel, and then we can filter the shows and movies through VidAngel. It allows us to customize our settings so that if we wanted to, on a certain show, we could remove all the bad language, but none of the violence. We can set the filters however we want them. My family has used VidAngel for years, but now you can help support Radically Christian and try VidAngel for free for 14 days. Just go to radicallychristian.com slash vidangel. Radicallychristian.com slash vidangel. I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Okay, thanks for listening. Now back to our Bible study. Well, brother, I'm really enjoying this conversation, just like I enjoyed listening to your your lessons. Uh, let me ask you this. What do you hope that the congregation has learned over the last few weeks that of going through this series that they might not have known before? Um, you know, my hope is that we can start utilizing those things um, that was taught. Um, I think I mentioned this in the series as well. If... Uh, as the preacher, if I'm proving these things to be so, what do we do from here? What do we, um, do we just say, okay, well, I get that. I never heard that. So, um, do we, do we talk about it more? Do we reevaluate ourselves? And, uh, where do we go from here? And those are things, the responses I wanted to hear from the congregation. It's not so much, so much what I want them to do. I want them to kind of feel the synergy of the word and take mm -hmm. away, what they got, for example, now that you know that the man of God has authority and is, um, the elders have authority and the deacons have their level of authority, but all of our authority comes um, from the word. And mm -hmm. if you don't believe the word of God is inspired, if you don't believe the word of God doesn't have authority, nothing what I say today or forever will mean anything to you because... We first have to establish that. But if it does, the Word of God um, has authoritative power in your life. 
and you believe that all scriptures are inspired by God, then what I would like to take from this, and I would like them to take away, um, hey, we're going to follow the lead. That's the biggest thing. Follow mm -hmm. the lead, um, not just come. Um, just not another checklist of the, you know, our five items in the churches of Christ. You know, well, did we commune? Check. Did we read the scriptures? Yeah, check. Did we sing? Check. Did we pray? Check. Did we give? You know, um, I want people's lives change. And if the man of God is showing you the word and the word um, is true, the, the greatest amen that a man of God can receive from his congregation that he served is a change, a transformed lifestyle. That's what mm -hmm. I want. Um, not because Cliff just said it, okay, but because God said it. That's, that makes mm -hmm. more uh, mean a world to me. And I hope that means the world to preachers that's preaching the gospel every week. Um, that's the greatest amen that I've ever received as a man of God. Um, brother, I'm going to change. Um, I'm going to do something about it. Man, I feel short on this, um, Brother Webb, but, you know, I'm going to strive to do better. Um, do you have a plan that we can put in place that will help me stay strong? This is what I'm looking for, not as an authoritarian saying, I'm the man of God. Um, listen to me. And um, I was counseled by um, one of the greatest preachers, um, that I've ever known in the body of Christ by the name of Dr. James Thompson. When me and my wife were um, first um, talking about marrying each other and we got engaged and we went through premarital counseling, and one of the things he uh, shared with us and he was pointing at me to make sure that I didn't have that, um, um, that drive current uh, relationship with my wife, okay? And that is... Um, he said he had to share with a gentleman before that if you have to say, son, that I'm the man, I'm the man, mm. then most likely you're not the man. And I yeah. use that same analogy mm. um, in my preaching. If I got to say I'm the man, I'm the man, then nine times in ten, your people don't look at you as the man. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's exactly right. Yeah, if we have to, if we have to remind people, and and I think about Paul and and Paul's need in Second Corinthians to to remind people of his apostolic authority that he's an apostle mm -hmm. and that they really need to listen to him. But instead <laughs> of promoting himself, he actually yes. sort of demoted himself. We see this cruciform this cruciform yes. uh, recommendation of himself by saying, if I'm going to boast, let me boast in my weakness, in because Lord, that's, yeah. that's the way that we, we boast in Christ, is we, we highlight how weak we are. And, and the world is exactly the opposite. The world promotes themselves in a fleshly way by saying, hey, look how strong I am. And in yes. Christ, we say, look how weak I am, and his grace yes. is, is sufficient for me. And so I that's really true. appreciate the fact that in your lessons, you often point out I'm not saying this because because it comes from me or because I'm doing this perfectly. I'm saying this as a fellow struggler, as a fellow learner, as a fellow disciple, and we're all under Christ and under the authority of Jesus and trying to to listen to him and learn from him together. So let me ask you this. As you think about this sort of transformation that happens not just intellectually but in people's lives, what what sort of application do you hope that that people are making in their in their day to day life and in how they 
I love how you, you said it's not about a checklist and it's not just about what you do on Sunday morning, but what, what difference does, does these do these kinds of lessons? What difference does it make Monday through Saturday? You know, um, I think I mentioned that in the leadership series, um, which was very valid point. I'm glad you reminded me to bring this up here. And I think there's something that I need to hammer. When I started this leadership, I didn't want it to be another, um, I'm the preacher, David Elder, David Dinkins. I I didn't want that. I I wanted, if we're, uh, how the series was birthed in the first place, we're growing here. Um, our elder here is he's getting of age and he's not going to be here forever but very sound in the mind one of the most busiest men here at the Wayne Road Church of Christ and I wanted to um, to instill in the body of Christ that as the preacher um, as the elder as the deacon we're not going to be here forever we have to reduplicate okay mm-hmm. um this this role of eldership preachers because leadership is important to the growth of the church right and so i wanted them to come from the standpoint in um in submitting a name to me or who you you think best qualify for this role as an elder or a deacon um consider yourselves first when choosing this person let's look at the qualities okay uh, if the elder shouldn't be a drunk, <laughs> should you be? <laughs> Think about this for a second, Wes. That's right. Um, yeah. Okay, don't expect more of the elder's wife than you mm. don't expect of yours or their children and your children. Uh, every one of us should, in some sense, have these characteristics. Every one of us, okay? And so in choosing a elder or deacon look really deep within yourself and have some mercy and grace when you look at your current condition who can I look up to okay I know everybody's not going to be perfect but I want somebody to look up to that I can I can hone in and say man I aspire to be like this gentleman he's really a child of God that's really what I wanted out of this this sermon or a sermon series that I did Walk away not just with, oh, we're going to choose an elder. No. Um, uh, no, I want to learn what it means to be an elder in a test and how that applies to me as a regular child of God. And I'm using yeah. regular loosely, so I apologize if that was the wrong wording, but you get what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand. So let me ask you this. I, this is one of my favorite questions to ask, because I know that when I'm done preaching a sermon or preaching a series, I always think, oh, I wish I had included this, or I wish I had said this differently, or I wish I had emphasized this a little bit more or a little bit less. So as you kind of look back over this series, is there anything that if you, you went back and preached it again that you would do a little bit differently? Um, I would, I would definitely, um, uh, consider my timing. Timing would have been a little bit more, um, uh, expedited a little bit better. Um, because, you know, I don't like to keep people too long. Um, but they were just so enthralled. I was so in, um, impressed with, um, how they were just so intentive listening to me, um, just pour over the word of God with me. Uh, I thought that was magical, but I would mm. like to break that up more and spend more time uh, with those different parts, add some elements um, relative to the congregation's response to the 
eldership, to the deaconship, to the, um, the evangelists of the church. I would spend a little bit more time with that. Not, um, uh, I want you to follow them as your leader, but never as a cult, okay? Mm, um, yeah. Always compare what the man of God is saying with the word of God. Even though you recognize, because some people may get the miss the, uh, the message. Um, man, we got to do everything the preacher says. Well, I, I'm not going to say everything there. <laughs> everything <laughs> that is right within the parameters of the Word of God. Okay, mm -hmm. this is so important. That's where a lot of churches have gone wrong and aligned themselves with the wrong people. Because just as much there are lovers of good people. There are lovers of bad people, according to Titus chapter one. Yeah, yeah, Amen. Well, I know you. I know you've got more to do. You're, you're a bivocational guy, and you've got a busy day ahead of you. But before you go, what, what's next? What are you What are you preparing to to teach or preach coming up? Um, right now I've been working on just the the gospel accounts um, mm. of Jesus Christ, and just pouring in because I was talking about the powers in the gospel. Um, I want to start bringing out more points about Jesus, just learning Jesus. I know many times um, we, we, we stress doctrine, doctrine. I'm all for that, Brother West, but I really believe that we need to get reacquainted with the master, the importance mm -hmm. of what he did, the things that he went through, the, the background cultural, what, why the things he's, he said, things like, you know, let the dead bury the dead. That sounds like a harsh savior. But when you look at the background of what he was working with, you understand it better. And so lately we've been talking about context and dealing with traditions and and how does that line up with the um, uh, the the context that we're using, that we're lifting our traditions out of. And so mm -hmm. I think that is so important to understanding and uh, being free in Jesus Christ um, is important to God, so it should be important to us. And so that's one of the things I've been working on lately. And going back to the discipleship, um, uh, we have a um, uh, thing that we're doing every week, learning what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the biggest thing here, um, sharing Jesus, sharing your testimony. Uh, we lost the art of testimony, testifying the goodness of God. What was your life like before Christ? Um, what was your life like? Um, uh, how did you come to Jesus Christ? And then what is your life like now? Those three questions help people to understand that if God can do it for me, then or you, then he can do it for me. And so mm -hmm. we want to start getting people back into not only sharing who Jesus is, share the goodness of God, what he did for you. And what was your life like? And then tell them how God can do the same thing for you. And I believe that's where the church was sore, okay, mm. um, the most. Um, not just preaching the plan of salvation, you know, hear, repent, um, <laughs> believe, confess, uh, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. Um, that is the response to mm -hmm. the plan. The plan yeah. is the man, and that man is Jesus. And we got to we reacquaint people back with him. Amen. Amen. Well, Brother Webb, thank you for this conversation today. But more than anything, thank you for your work in the kingdom, brother. Keep pointing people to Jesus. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Love you, brother. Love you, brother. All right. God bless.
Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Christian Bible Study Podcast. If you have just a moment, we would love for you to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It really does help people find this content. I also want to thank the guests who join me each week, Travis Pauly, who edits this podcast, Beth Tabor, who often volunteers her time to transcribe it, and our whole McDermott Road Church family who make it possible for us to provide this Bible study for you. Now, let's go out and love like Jesus. Jesus.